Good morning, Metro Praise. Can I hear a hallelujah? Come on, can I hear a praise the Lord? Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to the book of Ephesians. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad to see you here this morning. So glad to see you here. How many are happy the sun came out this morning? It's going to be at least somewhere in the 60s. Praise the Lord. I'm excited. You know, you can't let the weather dictate your attitude because in Chicago, your attitude will be up, then down, up, then down, 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 up for a little bit, down. Can't let that happen. I remember in Bible college, they taught us a song, the sun, the S-O-N, son of God, the sun is always shining. So no matter what you're going through, know that God is with you. We are in a sermon series in him. Have you guys been enjoying this? Reading the book of Ephesians. It's an awesome book. I've been blessed by it. I want to encourage you to take out 20 minutes every week to do it. Let's say it like this. If you read your Bible seven days a week, take one day a week to read the book of Ephesians. You will not be sorry that you did. Today we're going to be talking about wisdom and understanding. It's in the greater series that we're in right now in him, and I've got a lot to share with you, so let's just get right into it. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul's talking here. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us in the heavenly realms with how many spiritual blessings? Every. Thank you. Every spiritual blessing in Christ, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. How does God see you today? Holy and blameless. One more time. How does God see you today? Holy and blameless. How should you see yourself today? Holy and blameless. If your neighbor sees you messed up and jacked up, are they right or is God right? If you look down on yourself and say, I'm just a sinner. I can't do nothing right. Look how bad I am. Are you right or is God right? Okay, now can two people be right when they say contradictory things? No, the law of logic, the law that teaches us of non-contradiction is true. These things that are contradictory both cannot be true at the same time. So who are you going to trust today? I'm going to trust Jesus and what he said. And he says, I am blameless and holy in his sight. Praise God. In love, verse 5, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves verse 7 in him somebody say in him thank you this was what we learned about last week in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace can I just go old school on you right now and just sing one of those old hymns can I just sing is it okay what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of Jesus what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of Jesus oh precious oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow no other fount I know nothing but the blood of Jesus give it up for Jesus today Woo! nothing but the blood of Jesus In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Here's today's passage. Let's read it together. One, two, three. That he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. That's what we'll be learning today about all wisdom and understanding. Verse 9. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to how many things? All things, thank you, in heaven and on earth under Christ. How many looking forward to that day? The, the Greek word maranatha, even so, Lord Jesus, come now. 
Uh, check if that's Greek or Aramaic. It is Aramaic. Thank you, sir. Verse 11, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined. Nothing like having a scholar on the front row and a shouter on the second row. I got the, the sons of thunder here this morning. Amen. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. And I want to encourage you guys today because I know as a pastor there's many of you that come to this church every Sunday with things going on in your life, losing loved ones, things going on in your marriage, in your family. And when you come here, you're looking for hope. You're looking for an answer. There it is right there. Everything is in conformity with the purpose of his will. Even the devil is playing out the will of God, the role that Jesus set for him to play. So there is nothing today that is not Father Filter that's already in your life. And that means if it's there, it's going to play out its role, and you're going to be on the shouting side of it. Amen? You will go through this. You will go through it. You will not stay in the valley of the shadow of death. You will go through it, and his rod and his staff, they will comfort you. Amen? He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's amazing. So remember that today. Be encouraged. Verse 12, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you've got to understand there's no seniority here uh, in salvation. In the church, God gives us leadership gifts and the people of elders and deacons. But in salvation, we all stand equally at the foot of the cross, even ground there. And so Paul is saying, yeah, some of us were there uh, accepting Christ before you guys, and we came and told you about it, but now that you've accepted it, you're just like us, and therefore 2,000 years later, here we are accepting Christ. We get to be included in this. You were included. Somebody say, I was included. I was included in Christ, amen, when I heard the message of truth, the gospel of my salvation. It's okay to make it personal. When I believed, I was marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Does everybody get that? Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until, and we learned about this last week, the until, the redemption that is coming is the bodily resurrection, until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Can I hear an amen for God's word today? Amen. Thank you for always being excited to read this with me and to study it. In the series in him through the book of Ephesians, we're breaking it down into different chunks. So this is the 12-verse section that we're in right now. It's the 14 things Paul was thankful for. I review it every week because these are the things we should be stacking up and learning and building our life upon like a foundation. So we've already talked about uh, blessed with every spiritual blessing in verse 3, chosen, holy, and blameless, adoption to sonship, glorious grace, redemption and forgiveness. What are we going to talk about today? All understanding, a wisdom and understanding rather. What are we going to talk about next week? Knowing God's mysterious will. So you need to come, bring out your, like, what is that, little magnifying uh, glass, bring your little hat, you know, like, I'm, look, I'm thinking about, uh, what's that guy's name? Sherlock Holmes, yes, come in your trench coat, a non-tobacco-filled pipe, amen. And, and, and get ready to discover the things of God. Some of you girls, I want you to come like, what was that, that girl I had to read about in school? She was always a detective doing different things. Nancy Drew, yeah, come in your Nancy Drew outfit. You know, now today, come with your CSI lab coat, you know. You're going to figure some stuff out, and God wants you to figure it out. It's not meant to be like you can't figure out what God wants to do in your life. This is a mystery that's supposed to be discovered. And then the weeks after, unified with Christ, God's plan, made to praise God's glory, the gospel marked and sealed by the Holy Spirit, guaranteed inheritance, and God's possession. And once again, if you can't read the whole book of Ephesians, would you at least read these 12 verses every week so that when you come, you can prepare your heart and say, God, speak to me from these passages. Well, this that I have to get into today is going to be very practical. In the weeks prior, I've been going really deep, redemption and forgiveness and the grace of God. But today what I want to do is get some groundwork established and then really speak heart to heart because I know some things are taught, but other things are caught. So I want you guys to catch this today on wisdom and understanding. 
But let me give you some uh, definitions here. The definition for wisdom is the application of knowledge, okay? So it's not just about knowing something. It's about knowing how to do something, and it's good judgment. God wants us to be wise. If you ever hear anybody say, hey, don't judge me, don't judge me, ask them, are you judging me? Are you making a judgment? Because I'm not judging you. What makes you think I'm judging you, you know? And so the idea is everybody in the world loves truth until it confronts them. And, you know, so like this, take for example, have, have you ever said to somebody, you know, you look nice today, or man, you look like you're losing weight, dude. And they, and they say back to you, don't you judge me. Who are you to judge me? Who are you to judge me? No, but if you ever tell them, like, man, you're cussing. You shouldn't probably talk like that or treat your wife with respect. Don't you judge me. You see, we love truth until it confronts us. We love it until it shows us stuff about ourselves that we don't want to admit. And so don't be afraid of using wisdom in life if you feel like you're in a world of fools, okay? If you feel like you're in a world of fools, more than likely you're just opening up to the wisdom of God. There are a lot of foolish people doing foolish things, but follow the wisdom of God. And as a matter of fact, this month daily I release the devotions, and it's on the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom by King Solomon. You'll learn a lot of the wisdom nuggies there. The word understanding, I'm sure we all know how many understand the word understanding, but let me just give you a little bit of a definition here. It's mental activity used to gain insight and knowledge. Look at your neighbor and point to your brain and go, you got to use your thinker. You got to use this. You got to use this in life. Yes. It's like the, the video that came out with the police officer, and he's like, there's a new fandangle contraption on your car. You can use it now. It's called a turn signal, folks. Try doing that when you're driving. And, it, and it's really simple. We all get it. We're supposed to be wise and understanding. We're supposed to use our thinker, but we don't a lot. Many times we use our emotions. Can I get the ladies' attentions here, special all my single ladies? Have you ever not thought with this, and you chose a guy with this, and then after a while, this got broken. Come on, can I hear an amen from the ladies in the house? Men, have you ever chosen a woman not using this, but using this, and it got broken? You see, the idea is emotions can let you down. Have you ever made a fashion decision, and you let yourself down? Have you ever got a certain haircut that you saw in the magazine or wherever, the fade, and you thought you could rock it, but it didn't look so good on you. We, we let ourselves down all the time. And so here's the deal. Don't always trust yourselves. You've been, you trust yourself because you've been wrong quite a bit. So trust God. Listen to this. It's a proverb. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all you do, acknowledge the Lord. In all your ways, acknowledge him. So you can't lean in two directions. You can only lean in one direction. Lean not on your wisdom or understanding. Lean upon the Lord's wisdom and understanding. Can I get an amen for that? What does all mean in the Greek? What does it mean in the Hebrew? What does it mean in Spanish, <laughs> Italian, Polish? All means all. And here's another way to look at all, especially when we're looking at it in the context of all wisdom, all understanding, is it means nothing missing. Nothing missing. Go back to this passage and see that God promises you right now in the present, because you are a Christian in Christ, you have all wisdom and understanding. How much wisdom and understanding do you have? All. You have all of it. It's already been given to you. It's already residing in you because you have God on the inside of you. If you have all of God, do you have all of God's wisdom? Yeah, God didn't come to live inside of you and lay aside his wisdom. If you have God, you have all of his wisdom. So just think about those definitions as we go into today's message. A few other places that Paul references wisdom in the book of Ephesians is Ephesians 1.17, which will be our next mini-series, which is the prayer of Paul. The next group of scriptures will be clumped together in what is known the prayer of Paul. And there's two in the book of Ephesians. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of what? Of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Now just understand this. Can I have wisdom by God's definition without knowing Jesus? No, I can't. 
te- technically you can operate in the principles of the world as they've already been established as an atheist, as a, a person who's a Muslim, whatever. But if you're going to know why you know those things, you have to know Jesus. I just went deep on some of you all. It's called epistemology. It's how you know what you know. So the atheist goes, I don't believe in God. And watch, watch, everybody look. I don't believe in God. Two plus two equals four. See what I did? I did something to know because I know something and I don't acknowledge God. See, look how smart I am. I proved the Bible wrong. What do we say to them? Now tell me why it works. Tell me why you know math and why you're not a monkey right now just, you know, sitting in the cage somewhere. Come on. Why do you have a conscious mind? Well, it's just evolution. Where did evolution come from? It came from a big bang. What bang, right? And so we back them up to the point where they have to put a big old question mark that says, I don't know. It just happened, and I am just happened to be here, and it happens to work. Okay, well, that doesn't sound very smart now, does it, smarty pants? Just, I don't know, and it just happens to work. Well, let's put another answer in there. Let's erase the question mark and put G-O-D, God. God created us. God created us in his image with math and truth and morals. God is a mathematician. God is logical. God is moral. God is conscious and aware. That's why God can't just be the force like Star Wars. You would have a greater positive attribute than the God of Star Wars because the God of Star Wars cannot impact anything with ideas and creativity. Therefore, you would be the God of the force of Star Wars. You would have a positive attribute greater than him, more power than that it force. But the God of our universe, the real God, is a person, three persons and one divine being. And so if you want to know why you know what you know, you better know Jesus, baby. Amen? Because if you don't know Jesus, you don't know nothing. Amen. Come on. The old timers were right on some of those things. After all these years, we can still prove it to be true. And the other place Paul mentions it, wisdom, is Ephesians 3, 10 through 11. He says, his intent, talking about God, was that now through the church, look at this, the manifold, which means multifaceted wisdom of God. It's not one-dimensional. Multidimensional wisdom of God. The wisdom of God will impact your family, will impact your spiritual life, your science life, your engineering life, your plumbing life, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. We start first with the devil and his crew according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so here we get a little nugget that we need to have as a foundation, and that is that God's wisdom is manifold, multifaceted, multidimensional. So if you come here to church on Sunday, you're like, I'm going to learn spiritual wisdom. But tomorrow when I'm at school, I'm going to learn like, you know, like math wisdom. You know, you're not understanding it. Every manifold, every wisdom, it comes from God and it's a part of his manifestation, his multidimensional nature. Once again, there would be no math, no logic, none of these things unless there was in the beginning the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In him and through him, all things were created. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And of course, we can't talk about wisdom in church without going to the book of wisdom, Proverbs, one of my favorite books of the Bible. Like I said, releasing daily devotions right now on the book of Proverbs. I loved it so much. I spent two months on this uh, book, and most of my months are just one-month uh, sections. But for the 12-month devotional, I spent two months breaking down the book of Proverbs. So please uh, get into that book if it, if it interests you to be wise. How many want to be wise? Not a wise guy but you want to be wise for the Lord. Amen. Proverbs 4, 7 through 9 says, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Wow, that sounds kind of obvious, right? But isn't that just so true? Like we don't get it. We don't get it, and that's why we don't have it. So the idea is, man, I want to be smart, pastor. Okay, go get you some wisdom then. It's not going to just hit you on the head while you're watching the game, guys. It's not just going to happen, ladies, while you're just hanging out with your friends drinking coffee, though you can gain it through them and share it if there's wisdom there. But the idea is wisdom is going to take mental effort. You're going to have to want it, and we're going to get into that a little bit later, but James says there is no lack in God's wisdom. There's only a 
lack in us asking for it. So if you don't have it, it's because you have, you have not because you ask not. Because whoever asks for it gets it. And though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Isn't this amazing? Paul the Apostle, thousand years after Solomon, is teaching these believers the same principles of the book of, uh, in the, in the book of Ephesians that he had learned from the book of Proverbs. Notice what he had said. God gives us all wisdom and understanding. What does Proverbs say? Get wisdom, and though it costs you all you have, get what? Understanding. Look at the Bible confirming itself. Cherish her, using poetic language, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, talking about wisdom, and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. How many want a glorious crown in this life and the life to come? Get you some wisdom then. And then uh, Proverbs chapter 9, 10 and onward, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? The beginning of wisdom. So if I'm going to follow Proverbs and go get me some wisdom, what's the first thing I'm going to learn about wisdom? The fear of the Lord. And what's the fear of the Lord? Like, I'm afraid I'm going to go to hell, that he doesn't love me, that I'm going to be judged. No, the fear of the Lord is God's in charge and I'm not. I better let go and let him. The greatest fears, I guarantee you this, my friends, the greatest fears from every anxious thought that a parent ever suffers, the greatest fears we ever face as a country, the greatest fears we ever face always go back to our lack of trust in God. Because fear is never beneficial. Now, I'm not talking about the instinct to run away from a lion after he roars at you and you're on the Serengeti Plains there, you know. I'm not talking about the idea of preservation of life. I'm talking about real fear that takes you off a foundation and makes you your knees buckle. That kind of fear always goes back to a lack of trust in God. And when I understand who God is, I understand I'm not in control. He is the great I am, and I'm the great I am not. He's the great I am the creator, and I am not the creator. You guys get that? He says, I am the provider, and I go, I'm not the provider. He says, I am the peace, and I go, I'm not the peace. But in him, what do I have? I have everything he is. So if he's peace and I'm in him, I've got some peace, amen? If he's provision and I'm in him, what do I got? I got him supplying all my needs according to his riches, amen? For, though, for through wisdom your days will be many and your years will be added. How many want a long life? Amen. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. So don't mock the truth. That is the opposite of being a wise person, which we would call like a wise guy. You're a wise guy. You know, the ones who mock the truth will suffer. Now, let us just get into these points that I have just real quick. And then once again, I want to make this applicable to your life. Still the foundation here. Here's how wisdom works, okay? So wisdom is the application of knowledge. Understanding is the mental activity to gain that knowledge. And all means all, lacking nothing. God gives us all wisdom and understanding in Christ. Well, here's how it works. Well, number one, we have to see that Jesus gives us all the wisdom we need because Jesus is the wisdom of God. Just think of the other places in the Bible, especially like the Gospels in John. Jesus says, I I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And then you tie that together with statements like in John 1.1, in the beginning was the word, is the logos. It wasn't particles. It was a person. And it was the person who created all of our particles. Can I hear an amen? So the Logos, the person of Jesus, is truth. Now understand this. What God asks you to do may not always be reasonable to human convention or human thinking, but it is never illogical. Let me just help you understand this real quick, because I know sometimes we get into arguments with people, and we just throw logic out the door. We'll give that to the atheists, and we'll be people of faith, and then all of a sudden we get hit over the logic stick with the logic stick about five or six times. We're like, ouch, that hurts. Take back the logic stick. It belongs to the Christian. Once again, you can't know why you know what you know without God. But So look at this. Everything God does is always logical. It's always reasonable. It may not be according to your reasons or your thinking. That's why, he's, that's why he says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Here you are down here, and here I am up there. As far as the earth is to the heavens is the distance between my mind and your mind, Bubba. So you don't know all that you think you know. Okay. So watch this. Jesus says to Peter, come walk on water. Is that illogical? No, because the creator of water is there. Perfectly logical. 
perfectly logical. You've seen cartoons. Can the cartoon designer in his own program make the cartoon dance on water, do a backflip over water? Come on, Pokemon fans. How many of you play video games? Can you float in the air, do all these things? Yeah, because you're, you're there, the creator, or you're interacting with the creation. You're manipulating the creation. The creator is there. H2O will do whatever he says for it to do at that time. Nothing illogical about that. There is nothing unreasonable about that because God wants you to use your thinker. Okay, now remember this. God gave us all the wisdom and understanding we would ever need through Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1.30. It is because of him that you are in Christ. So God wanted you in Jesus, his son, to be stamped out in his image. Who has become for us, what is Jesus for us? Wisdom from God. What is he for us? Wisdom from God. That is, now watch this. Here is Paul. He's the writer of Corinthians, the people of Corinth. Here now Paul explains what wisdom of God looks like to their personal application. So Proverbs says the wisdom looks like the fear of the Lord, and that's the foundation, right? And from there you build up. And so this is what wisdom looks like in the believer's life. We are the righteousness, holiness, and the redeemed of the Lord. That should get you excited today. That's what's true for the believer, whether you think it's reasonable or not. Whether you think you deserve it or not is not the issue. When you come to Jesus, he becomes your wisdom. He becomes your righteousness, your holiness, and redemption. Can I hear an amen? There's nothing you'll ever lack in Jesus Christ. You don't lack any good behavior. Well, I'm just trying to work on myself. Stop working on yourself and let God work on you. Let God change you and make you the creation he calls you to be. A new creation, the workmanship, the, the, the craftsmanship of God. Well, I don't really feel holy. It doesn't matter if I feel like a white rostic today or not. And what does that even mean, you know? Feelings can be deceiving. Come on, somebody. How many of you felt you needed an extra serving of that cake yesterday? Now you know that feeling was wrong. You didn't need that extra serving. How many felt that it wasn't going to rain one day and you went outside and it rained on you at the bus stop? Feelings are, are fickle things. It doesn't matter if you feel holy or not. According to the Bible, if you're a Christian, you're righteous, holy, and redeemed. And redeemed, as we learned last week, means you were bought with a price. The price you were bought with determines your value. When I buy this phone, they give me a number, and I determine whether or not I think the phone is valuable enough to give them that number of cash that they want. $800 on a payment plan. Okay. I make an exchange of goods with them. Well, here is the value of the human soul, the blood of the eternal Son of God. That means you are invaluable. There is no limit to the worth that God places on you. The eternal God said you're worth my eternal love. Don't trade yourself for anything down here. Amen? And now the next thing that we need to know is that, yes, wisdom is found in Jesus, but we have to access it. We have to receive it. There is a dance with the divine when it comes to wisdom, just like in everything else. We don't deserve salvation, but God says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So he gives it to us, and now he says, work it out. Use it and grow in it. He gives us wisdom, and now he says, ask for it. James 1, 5 through 8 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, and how many of you from time to time lack wisdom? You find yourself in a place and you say, I don't know what to do on my job, in my family. Remember, manifold wisdom. You need wisdom in all types of areas of your life, and God's wisdom is there for you. If you lack wisdom in any of those areas, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. So is, it any, is there any time when the person asks, a person asks God for wisdom, and he's going to find fault with them and say, I can't give that to you. You're just a bad mamma jamma. No, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And when you can say, I don't know, but you know, help me, there is no fault that God will ever have to find in you. He will always say back to the one that's willing to humble themselves and ask for wisdom. He'll say, here's the wisdom that you need. And by the way, this is how people around the world hear about Jesus before a church ever reaches them. is because they humble themselves and ask for help. And they don't know if it's the gods around them or what, but they just have a suspicion. It can't be this. So that's somewhere else. And 
when God starts to speak to them and send them dreams and visions. Can I hear an amen for that? We believe that today. So God always gives wisdom to those who ask, and it's given without fault. It will be given to you. Verse 6, but when you ask, how do we ask? You must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like the wave of a sea blown and tossed by the wind. Have you ever been on the lake and it's windy out there? Ever been on a boat before? Man, I get seasick. And I'll just tell you what, that's the feeling of a double-minded person. They don't have any stability. They're just rocking back and forth. Don't do that. Have at least enough faith, the faith the size of a mustard seed that says, God, if you're there and you hear me, I know you'll want to answer me and give me wisdom. And then for us as Christians, we can say, God, I know you're there and you purchased this for me on the cross, so I ask and I expect. Everybody say, ask and expect. Amen. Because the double-minded person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. If you ever meet an unstable person, they're always going back and forth on things. That's because they're not willing to trust God with what he's already told them to do. Oftentimes, God has told us what to do, and we don't want to do it, and then we wonder why we're so unstable. That's why as a pastor, many times I tell people, go back to the original thing God told you, complete that assignment, and then wait for the new word. Can I hear an amen? Then the next part, just going through this quickly, is when we are faithful to apply the wisdom and understanding that God gives us, he makes us fruitful. And so there's a parable of the four grounds in the Bible that Jesus tells us about. And many of you have heard it, so I don't have time to get through the whole thing. But there's a very particular thing that happens here, and I want to see if you catch it. This is the person with the hard heart. Now watch this. When anyone hears Jesus talking in Luke, um, Matthew 13, 19, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not what? They hear the message about the kingdom and do not understand it. The evil one comes, snatches it away, what, what snatches away what was sown in their heart. Does everybody get that? So what's the difference between you being in church, learning about God, believing in God, and your friend who wants nothing to do with God? Is it because they are somehow worse of a sinner or God has passed over them? God chose you and didn't choose them? No. If they're not here today and you are, it's because they did not want to understand it. Come on. And you're here today because you have applied your mind to understanding it. I wish this introduction wouldn't have taken so long, but I'm about ready to preach. You guys got to track with me here. This is a foundation. The difference between the saved and the unsaved is understanding. Guess what the difference is between the blessed and the not blessed, those who are Christians? Understanding. Guess what the difference is between those who have a great marriage and those who don't have a great marriage? And I'm not saying it's always uh, the person's fault because somebody could be doing something wrong, you know, like cheating or something. But why is that happening that way? It's because of lack of understanding. Why is it some of you work the same job as other people or get paid the same amount, but you're in debt, you have no extra shekels, tithing for you is such a burden, but the other one is so blessed and they make the same amount? What is the difference? Understanding of finances. Why is it some people here have one child, can't control them. Others have five, six children and they're all lining up quoting verses. Not saying they don't make mistakes, but there's a happy home. What is the difference? It's understanding. When you don't understand the word of God, the devil takes it from you and you then cannot have it grow in your heart and bring forth fruit. That is the principle. That is the principle. You all better get that because look at what it says right here at the end in that same parable. Who is the one that brings forth the fruit? Look at verse 23. Look at it. But the seed falling on good ground. Okay, what makes this good ground? Refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. What makes your life fruitful when you understand the word of God? The word of God is like a seed in your heart, and when you apply wisdom and understanding to it, it brings forth fruit. All wisdom and knowledge outside, in the outside world, is the same way. When you take in the seed of plumbing, and you begin to understand plumbing and pipes and so forth, you move from being an apprentice to a journeyman, and maybe to a master plumber. Are you listening? If you don't apply your understanding to the plumbing, 
plumbing, you will be a terrible plumber. If you don't apply your understanding to being a mother, you will be a terrible mother. If you don't apply the understanding of God to being a father, you'll be a terrible father. Your world, the one you live in, is a representation of the truth of God. It is a reflection of his good character. And for you and I to tap into it, to bear fruit within it, we have to have wisdom and understanding. Can I hear an amen? And that's now where I want to leave the introduction and get to the message. Somebody say, preach him. Because here's where I'm at today as a pastor. 20 plus years being saved, over 15 years serving God. And I feel like there's a part of this great commandment that many of us miss. And we just skip right over it. And we don't understand why our life is messed up. And then some of us, and I know it's probably not you. It's the one that didn't show up today. But some Christians then have the audacity to actually blame God. And go, it's God's fault. I tried it, but my marriage is messed up. I've tried tithing, but I'm still broke. I've, I've tried to read my Bible. I just don't get it. I've tried to be married, and it don't work. I'm going to leave the church and find another one, right? And, and the, the people with that sassy attitude don't get it. But at the same time, there is a subtle, a subtle sassy attitude, which is kind of like this unstableness, this disbelief that makes a Christian a double-minded person, which is like this. They'll come to church on Sunday and go, amen, 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 I believe all this. But the moment they leave out, they go to the work on Monday. They don't trust God for anything. They go back to their own understanding, to the way they think it needs to be, and they're still loving Jesus. Maybe they're not as sassy as the one blaming God for their problems. But I find a lot of people just dead-ended in life, having a dead-end job, having a stuck marriage, having kids that are not behaved, and they just throw up their hands and go, well, that's just the way kids are, having their finances out of order. And this whole entire time, they're not understanding they're being double-minded. Because they're trying to do things in this part of their life their way, trying to run finances like Lee Iacocca or Donald Trump, but then trying to have their heart belong to Jesus. And here's what we call it. We call it double-mindedness because your mind belongs to the world, but your heart belongs to Jesus. And I want you to look at this scripture and see what it says because we skip over a certain section all the time and we need to get it. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And with all your strength. And that's what gets you up in the morning to come to church. Amen? But watch this. With all your mind. Oh, wow. You mean my heart and my mind are not supposed to be double-minded in two different directions? No, they're supposed to be in the same direction. Let me just give you a couple of illustrations here in closing, hopefully to make it personal that you can apply this because I love you guys so much. I really do as a pastor. There are no tricks up my sleeve. I am no better a man than any person here today. I just want to give you the wisdom that came into my heart as I studied this. Can I share it with you? So here's how I think many of us struggle to get this and what God wants us to get out of this is that we think we're going to go to our job tomorrow, and we're going to go do engineering, and we're going to go spend time learning that. We would never think to show up at our job and just pretend like we knew what we were doing, especially those of us who have customers that are hard to please, or those who have job sites where you got to get inspectors, or you got a boss that's over you, or those of you who own your own business. You know, you know, you cannot just show up there and just do whatever feels right to you in the moment. You can't just go to the construction site and go, well, I just feel that should be uh, eight feet. No, you have what's called a tape measure, right? You take it out and you measure it, right? You can't just go to the customer when they, let's say you're in the service industry and they say, like you work for Apple and they go, my computer doesn't work. You can't just look at them and go, I feel like you're lying to me. Just got a feeling on the inside of me. Maybe some of you do have that kind of feeling with certain crazy customers. But I just feel you're lying. No, you actually have to investigate. You have to know how to plug it up and get the, the read out. Now, let me just ask you this. I, I mean this in all humility. Everybody, please look up at me as a pastor who loves you. How often do you do that in your Christianity? How often do you really study 
mental activity to understand, then apply what God is saying. How often, how often when you face that problem in your marriage do you go, hold up, hold up, let's go back to the playbook. Let's go back to the Word of God. Let's read it until we understand it. I, I, I'm reading Ephesians 5. I've always heard it in weddings. It says, as Christ, you know, you know has the church submit to her, the wife says, submit to the husband. And, and the wife goes, I just don't get that. I just don't. Okay, let's read it till we get it. Let's read it till. Okay, husband, you must love your wives as Christ loves the church. You must lay down your life for her. Okay, I just don't get it. Read it till you get it. Till you understand it. I'm not mad, but I'm passionate. Are you listening to it? You read it till you get it. You know you read your manual. You know you guys had to pass tests to have the kind of job you have. College degree. You know you had to be trained. Come on, somebody. And God is saying, love me with your mind. Love me with that mind. Understand it. Read it till you get it. And then apply it. And you, and you don't do it right at the first time. I get it. But that's part of wisdom. Now, remember what we just learned. He always gives it without finding fault as long as we just believe he loves us and wants us to have it. So the, the marriage, I got so many examples swirling in my head, but I'll just pick as many as I can. So the marriage that's struggling, you go and you read your Bible, and you go, all wisdom, all wisdom, all understanding, it is here. God is in us, everything we need, it is here. We will fix this with God here. God is the glue that will hold us. You get your children. You get them around the table. You say, I don't care what we have to do. We're going to read our Bible every day as we have family dinner. And God is going to fix this. And then you just take those steps. Because God speaks through the word. God speaks through it. And he has it, he has it in bite-sized things that we can do, just like any good father would do, just like any good father. Some of you, you saw my fishing video with my son, and it was hilarious because the big fish scared him, and he runs away from the fish. He's just, you know, my little boy and all of this, but I'm teaching him. I'm giving him the steps of wisdom, how to hold the fish, and he gets scared, and he drops it, right? He gets double-minded. It's like, you know, I want to be out with daddy. I want to fish, but now I'm afraid of the fish. And I have to tell him, no, it's okay. Daddy is here. If this fish tries anything, I have this long of a knife, and I will butcher this fish in front of you. It will become a bloody mess before anything happens to you, my son. Are you listening? Like, I want to let him know the full power and weight of a father is here to punish this fish. But this fish ain't no problem. It's a nice little fish. Hold this fish. And I feel like God is saying the same things to us. Oh, I'm scared, God. I'm scared with my finances. I'm scared to do this. And God is saying, I got you. That big old mean devil, I got him under my foot. I got him right here. He's already defeated. Trust me. Trust me. And so that's where we have to grow in our relationship with God. And I am telling you, it doesn't matter how long you've been serving God. You will go through times where it challenges you, where it's like, well, this doesn't come easy, right? Like, you will meet times, uh, you know, situations in your life where God's wisdom will seem unreasonable. I remember the first time I get, and I'm just giving this out, so please, I'm not trying to put pressure on people to give in the church. The church is blessed. But I remember the first time I gave a $1,000 missionary offering. It was like, God, I know you didn't say that. Satan, get behind me. I'm not supposed to give a $1,000. That's, that's for me. That's for something. And God's like, no, stop rebuking me. I'm right here. That's not the devil. I am putting that in your heart. You are supporting these African missionaries with $1,000. And I'm like, but And it's just like one, zero. And it's just like, God, that's okay. And he's like, no, another zero. And I know I'm embellishing this story, but are you following me? You know, it's just God will find a place in your life where he'll be like, you, you, you think you're in control? Well, come and walk on water with me for a little bit, and let's see how much you trust me, you know? And once again, we just think God is crazy. It's irrational. No, it's just God's ways are not our ways. God has a higher way of doing things, and he's interweaving it through the story of your life. Everything is not going to be a, a crazy miracle walk on water. It's just maybe you showing up at your job. 
And instead of putting your foot down with that customer or with that boss, you take the wisdom of God in this approach and you humbly submit to them and take it one more time, but then this time God vindicates you through their higher up or through another thing and then works it out for your good, right? It's like it just interweaves through your life, but you have to want to apply it and do it. Can I hear an amen? Let's stand up and give it up for Jesus today. Come on. We love you, Lord. Woo! Band, would you come, please? I want to end with the band and the altar workers coming. You know, we'll love to pray with you here. If you're a visitor, we love to pray. That's what our prayer workers come up for. And specifically today, if you want the impartation of just wisdom, saying, hey, can someone pray with me that I would know what to do on this job or with this interview or maybe in our marriage, come up with your husband or wife or with my kids or... Uh, you know, with what's going on in my neighborhood, just anything that concerns you that you're like, hey, I want to think about this through God's mind, through God's ideas. We want to pray with you. And let me just give this last example. So many of us, uh, we, we compare ourselves to each other, and I know I do this all the time. So how good am I doing today as a pastor? Well, there's churches bigger than me, big, bigger buildings than me. Well, maybe I don't do so well, you know. And I have to stop, and I have to go, no. And the Lord will tell me, and the Lord will say, no, that's not how I see you, Joe. This is not a competition. This is me being your master. You're my servant. You please me. Job well done. So if the Lord says to me, son, I want you to pastor one person the rest of your life, would you do it? You know, that's how he talks to me. And I remember learning about missionaries like this one, Victor Plymeyer in Tibet. God sent him there for 20 years, and he only saw like a handful of people saved. It's like, but that's what I wanted him to do, Joe. And so here's the thing. A lot of times we just compare ourselves with each other. And then what we try to do, even sometimes as good Christians, is we try to imitate what that other person is doing. Okay, so me as a pastor, well, my church is not as big as so-and-so's. Well, let me go find out what they did. Let me go learn what they know and then imitate them, and then maybe I'll get the same results. And what happens when you try to take the wisdom that other people have applied specifically to their situation and apply it to yours. Not saying you can't gain wisdom from others, absolutely. But what happens when you just try to imitate it without having the understanding of it? It falls apart. So you say, why isn't my business doing what someone else's business is? Why am I not getting the customers like so-and-so? And you may think that you have to go somewhere else to go get it. I want to challenge you. Yes, learn from others. I believe that. But I want to challenge you to have creativity, insight, and new ideas come directly from God to you. We're building this church on some creative ideas. Amen? I'm not saying I always get it right, but it's creative. It's unique. I can't try to take what they're doing and put it here. I can learn when God says learn. And God may say, learn from that business. Take a hint from somebody else. And that's part of humility too. But so many of us, I think, and this is a word for us today, we try to run to the people instead of going to God. And then we wonder why it's not working. So, for example, in my marriage, we do devotions a certain way every day. And you may try to do it the way my wife and I do it. And you may say, well, that changes nothing. Yeah, but did you talk to God, the wisdom man? Did you talk to him who gives all the wisdom? Maybe God wants you to do it first thing in the morning on your knees next to your bed praying just for five minutes, not like my wife and I for an hour at night reading the Bible. Are you listening? Some of you are getting to the point where you need to have a relationship with God because he's your God. See, love the Lord, your God. He's not just my God. He's not just Ishmael's God. He's not just this person's God. He's my God. He's your God. Are you listening? And so you love him with all your mind, and then he shows you who your spouse is, how your house will be run, how you will spend your money. Because if you listen to 10 Christians here on how we spend our money, you may hear some principles that we, we spend, I mean, we earn, we save, and we spend, right? You know, you may hear those same principles, but you may hear different ideas. Somebody says, I save 10 percent a month. Somebody may say, I only save two percent a month. Somebody may say, I only live off of half my income so I can retire at 55. So which one are you going to do? You got to do the one that God says. Because how much wisdom and understanding did he give you? Oh, let's pray. Father, I ask that we receive it now. I double dog dare some of you to raise up your hands and ask for wisdom right now. Come on. Ask for wisdom in this house. What do you need wisdom in? 
What do you need wisdom in? God, give me wisdom in my family. God, give me wisdom with my, my children. God, give me wisdom with my career. Jesus, 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 you are our wisdom. You are our good thinking, our right decision making. You are the why behind the how. People may be able to show us how things work, but you tell us why things work. You give us the purpose behind what we do. We're not just mindless drones going through life as worker bees, worker ants. We are your creation, made in your image, to have creative ideas, to have new inventions, to have wisdom. With every head bowed and eyes closed, if, if you're not saved today, ask Jesus in your heart. He will find no fault against you if you're willing to come to him and say, I need you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. He will receive you openly right now. For those of us who are saved, come on, 30 more seconds. Wisdom, wisdom, understanding. Right now, God's going to give you places and, and, and ways he's going to speak to you. Some of you uh, people traveling, commuting to work, I double dog dare you to put on a worship song. Speak in tongues and meditate before you go into your job, just asking God for wisdom. See what happens. I double dog dare some of you in the middle of decisions to take a deep breath. And as you do, say a simple prayer to God. God, what's your decision in the matter? They'll just think you're taking a breath to relax. But while you take that breath, you're talking to your boss. What's your decision in the matter? Right now, right now, don't be afraid to walk in the wisdom and understanding of God. It may seem irrational at the time, but it's going to work out for your good. It's based in the wisdom of God. I pray for families right now to be built on the wisdom of God. Can I just pray for you right now before we go? God, I pray for families to be built on the wisdom of God, for fathers and mothers to be who you called them to be, for them to understand their roles. I pray, Lord, for children to rise up and obey their parents. I pray, Lord, for our jobs to be blessed, even those of us who work with the unbelievers, God. I pray that, God, you'll give us wisdom, that you'll have us do great things with them, Father. Even as Joseph was a slave of Pharaoh, but you blessed him and prospered him, that no matter where you put us, you'll bless us, Lord. Even the children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were blessed in Babylon. No matter what this world does, we'll be blessed. We pray for wisdom in our community, with our neighbors, with our politicians, with our businesses, with the movers and shakers. We pray, God, that this city will be built upon the wisdom of God. We pray, God, for a transformation from folly to wisdom, starting with us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Can you give it up for Jesus today? Come on, love on him with that hand clap. We love you, Lord. We bless you. Bravo. Amen. You are dismissed. Slap your neighbor high five and say you got all that you need. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you at Life Groups. If you need prayer for anything, come on up as we worship together. In your presence, God bless you. We're not in a hurry if you want to stay back and pray for a little bit. Otherwise, have a wonderful day. There is wisdom in the house of God today. Receive it. Receive it. Oh, yes. Thank you, Lord. In your presence. Yes. One more time, and then we're going to say about seeking and knocking. Yes, Lord.